The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Good morning and welcome to Overland Park Community Church. Good to have you here today. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I think they say that uh, Otis Redding is the king of soul and like Aretha Franklin is the queen. Is that right? Am I right on that? Do I know my soul music? Oh, Stephanie said, mm. <laughs> So uh, here's the deal, is I think David is the original king of soul, and we're going to see that today. Um, king David was an incredible musician, and so I love music, and we're going to take a look at the original soul music when it comes to truth in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 14 through 23. Now, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like, or to say two things, I kind of feel like this is going to be a little shorter sermon. I'm going to get you out of here a little earlier than normal. Amen? Every time I feel that way, I go late, okay? So that's the bad news. Uh, but I'm going to try to wrap it up as quick as I can here. Uh, and so anyway, this is a pretty cool passage of Scripture. We just saw last week that, um, you know, in the two previous weeks, we saw these men really difficult times, the darkest hour. We saw where... Man, the Lord rejected Saul as king. And then we saw um, last week where um, David was, was anointed. And so secretly, he has been anointed as the uh, next king of Israel, a man after the Lord's own heart. And so Saul is still in power. And we'll, st- we'll see him, like even though he has been rejected by God um, as the king of Israel, he still maintains that position for some time but he does not maintain the power and the authority that came with the anointing of the Lord resting on his life because he's been rejected by God because he has been disobedient. And so God has chosen someone that the scripture said is better. And it didn't mean that he was better in performance. It meant that he was better in his heart. His heart was um, one that was uh, bent toward the Lord. His posture was toward the Lord, not away from the Lord. And Saul's heart was away from the Lord. His posture was toward himself. And so we look and, and David has been anointed. Samuel has gone to him. It is the capstone of Samuel's career. He has anointed him as the, uh, the person who will succeed in, uh, succeed uh, King Saul. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen. This is not public information. It was a private ceremony that took pl- place just communicating to David Uh, that you are the guy. And so when we pick up in chapter 16, we're going back to um, now uh, David's been anointed. Saul has been rejected. The prophet has communicated to both of them. Saul, the Lord is no longer going to be with you because you won't listen to what he says. David, the Lord is going to be with you. Now these two men are, are totally unaware that these two things have happened. Um, and so uh, like Saul is trying to retain his kingdom David is looking at, what does this mean for my life, that the truth has been spoken over my life by the prophet of God, that I'm going to be the next king. And so when we pick up in chapter uh, 16, verse 14, man, Saul is, he's dealing with some stuff, man. Like, he's up here, he's leading, he's responsible for doing something, that he doesn't really know what he's doing and he has, he has had the comfort when he was called into this position that the Lord was going to help him. The Lord was going to give him wisdom. The Lord was going to use the prophet, the word, as it existed in this time. Because the Bible, again, even the stuff that we're reading about right now was being 
written. And so God was going to use the prophet to speak to him about how he wanted him to lead and what he wanted him to do. And so now that's all taken away. Um, now the, the presence of the Lord in his life to uh, enable him with the power that he needed to accomplish the job that was uh, at hand was gone. And this is a, like, this is a hard thing that to, to be in this particular place. This would be a very difficult um, situation for a person to find themselves in. And so it would probably cause a lot of anxiety, a lot of, a lot of fear, a lot of worry, a lot of uh, uh, paranoia. Everybody's out to get me. The prophet has said that I'm no longer going to be the king, so somebody else is going to have to be the king. Who's it going to be? And he starts to protect his kingdom. And so this is what happens in verse 14. Listen to this. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Yeah, that's nice when this may said. That's the one you want to break down for your people on a Sunday morning. God sent an evil spirit to torment him. Well, the good news is, is this word evil can mean like injurious. It can mean like a messenger of judgment. And so, um, and then we look at that and we go, man, like, what? I'll, I'll come back to that. I don't want to go too long. I'll start chasing that rabbit and then I'll do it twice. So I'm committed to getting you guys out of here early. Amen. Okay, so Saul's attendant said to him, and so he's, he's like, man, he's just having this like, this torment. And so Saul's attendant said to him, see, an evil spirit from the, God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. And he will play, and when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, you will feel better. Man, let's, let's get somebody here that knows how to play some soul music. And so Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. And one of the, one of the servants answered, I, I, I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem. He knows how to play the harp. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. That's the key right there, man. And the Lord is with him. And then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. And so Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son, David, to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. And then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. And whenever the Spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him, okay? And so we look at this, man, and um, like David wrote half of the Psalms. If you've never read the word, like, and, and you've never been one who's disciplined yourself to like get in the word and get a consistent like rhythm going in your life, you need that, okay? Like if you're gonna grow and you're gonna figure out, man, who, who is the Lord and what does it mean for me to posture myself toward him? Like you need the word to do that. You need more than a Sunday morning message. A Sunday morning message is kind of like we come together and it's a huddle, okay? And then we break and you go out and you need more than what you're gonna get 
like in a, in a huddle time for us to come together and, and me to teach you. And so one of the things you need is you need to be in the Word. And, and one of the things you can do is like uh, read the Psalms. Like the Psalms, there's uh, I think 150 or 151 chapters. And some of them are short and some of them are really long, okay? But what you do is you, you go through there. And I, I did this for several years when I first started like really pursuing the Lord. I'd read five chapters of Psalms a day and one chapter of Proverbs. Learned that from Billy Graham. Man, I was reading in a Billy Graham column and he said he did that. I said, well, if Billy Graham does that, it might be good for Jimmy Holbrook to do that, right? So I started reading them, and then I started like learning how to live life. I started like wisdom. Things started coming out of my mouth, and I was like, where did I learn that? And it was the Psalms. Emotionally, when I was going through difficult stuff, and I would read in the Psalms, like, and then this is what I'm feeling right now. And so the Psalms are just an incredible wealth of uh, 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 like wisdom and power and comfort and just encouraging things that we find out about the principles of the Lord. It's such a good practice for you to get into. And, and you, know, re, you know, read a little bit of the New Testament, but be in the Word. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. Is like, man, the Word has the power to shape you. We know that um, the Word says that it's alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it's able to kind of pierce and get in the inside of us. See, like, when, when, when you get in the Word, it starts shaping your life. And... And like when you're, you're walking in marriage, <laughs> there's, there's stuff you go through that's challenging in marriage. Uh, sometimes you get frustrated with how your husband is. And sometimes you get frustrated with how your wife is and how they're functioning. Don't you? Yeah, yeah you do. If you, don't, if you don't say, yes, I do, then you, then you have a problem with lying today. <laughs> okay, and so we do. We're human beings. And so... If, we're, if, we're, if we constantly do that, then we'll constantly be like, when we're in those places of, of frustration and we don't get the word in us, a lot of times what we'll do is try to shape each other. And so I don't need Abby shaping me. I need the word shaping me. And, and so Abby doesn't need me shaping her. She, she needs the word shaping her. Now I can come along and I can play um, together with the word and we can line our lives up with the word and, and let it be the authority in our lives. And when we do that, we can find harmony and unity because we can look to the word as being that objective standard outside of me and outside of her. And we are unified in our belief of it and valuing that the word is the truth of, of God and we can apply it to our lives. And so in that way, we do help each other shape one another with the word. And so that's very important for us to have a rhythm where we're in the word. And so when we look at that, David wrote half of these psalms, and so they're songs, and I don't, you know, I'm not very creative, and so I can't, like, in, in, in musically, I'm certainly not, um, I, I don't know how to set things to music, but these things were set to music, and David wrote these things, and so we don't know exactly when he wrote them, but I can imagine him being out there taking care of them sheep, and he had a, what is called a lyre. It looks a lot like a, 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 gu a guitar, right? And it's a 10 string, it's a smaller version of the big harp. It even kind of looks like a guitar. It's rounded, has a hole in it, and has strings, and, and they would carry it. Like if he were, a shepherd would have one with him. And at night, man, he's probably singing to the sheep, because what else is he going to do? Right? He didn't have an app that he could occupy his time. So he got out this lyre, and he would play, and he probably wrote a lot of these songs. 
And so I can imagine um, him out caring for the sheep and probably thinking because he was out caring for the sheep when um, they sent for him and, and, and uh, for the anointing. And he goes back because it's an anointing that happens and he's just waiting on the Lord. The Lord said through the prophet that he was going to be the next king. And so he's out there and he's, he's probably singing some of the psalms that he wrote um, to the sheep because there was no one else to listen, even though the promise had come that he would be the next king of Israel and he would lead God's sheep. And so the Lord had him in this place of being a shepherd in this place of humility, in this place of teaching, in this place of really sitting with the Lord and, and all of this stuff like the Lord impressing upon him. And he probably had no idea all the things that God was teaching him when he was in a place where he thought, man, I'm getting tired of just watching sheep. Like I'm ready for something different. There's no doubt that he probably felt that man. He's, he's getting into adulthood. He's approaching the age, man, like he's ready to do some things. What is it, how is he going to be used? And all of a sudden he gets this message from the prophet that he's going to be the king. And that's what his expectations were is that God would use him in some incredible way. He had incredible faith. And then the, the prophet like confirms it. And so let's just look at a couple of Psalms. Listen to this one. Psalm 33, verses 1 through 4. And imagine David out there with the sheep. And man, he's just strumming on that, 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 uh, uh, that lyre. And he's just like singing to the sheep and singing to the Lord. He says, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true, and he is faithful in all he does. And so, man, he's telling us, like, there's power in that. Like, he, we see, what do we know about David? He's a man after God's own heart. And so when we hear that the, the Lord says of him, he is a man after my heart. He pursues me. He postures himself toward me. He loves what I love. And so, like, I can use him. I can work with them. He's not perfect, but he loves what I love. And he loves loving the things that I love and, and, and pursuing a life that, that he knows would bring honor and glory to me. And so as, as he's out there singing, man, he's writing these things. And I would encourage you, like, we, we, man, we challenge people all the time. Like, you need to have a daily rhythm with the Lord, a time where you just step aside and spend some time in the Word. And, and man, don't be afraid to sing a song, hum a song. I find myself often, like, before I start praying, singing an old hymnal that I, I learned when I was younger, like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I just sing just for a second. And, and, and it's, not so much about, it's not so much about me, like, going, man, I love to sing. I want to sing. It's not that. Like, I'm just kind of thinking about the Lord and, and, and singing joyfully to him. And it puts my, my mind in a frame where I can engage in a conversation with the Lord. I've read the truth of the word. I'm singing a little song. Maybe, maybe sometimes I'll just feel like I just need to listen to a song. Uh, one of my favorite go-to songs is a song um, called uh, 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 Give Me Jesus. Old song, man. Old song. And it's like, just give me Jesus. You can, you can have everything else. This world has to offer, but give me Jesus. And sometimes, man, I could, I could turn that on, and I could sit there, and, and tears will just flow down my face, and I will feel like I am in direct communication with the Lord. Like, I, he is listening to me. You know, the psalm says that he keeps our tears in a jar. Like, now, literally, does he know? He's trying to communicate to us 
that that's how important it is. The scripture says in Romans that sometimes we pray, the spirit prays for us with groanings too deep for words. And to me, like the, I've, I know those times. Like it, a lot of times for me, I'm speechless, but my heart is open like a window and it's just like this coming out and it usually comes out through my eyes and I can just weep before the Lord, man. And I feel so alive in those moments and music can help me do that. And so music is a powerful tool for us to use. It's something that God has given us and we see David saying that. Look at Psalm chapter 32, verses three through five. It says, when I kept silent and here he's writing a song. He's writing a song about freedom and, 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 and of slavery. He's writing a song about how he walks in the freedom of the Lord and how he walked in prison. And so he starts and he says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my, bro- my groaning all day long. I could just hear him out there, men, just singing on the side of the mountain and the sheep feeding and the moonlight coming down and he's got a little fire going over there and he's by himself and he's just singing, man. And he says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He said, man, I, I remember, Lord, when I was silent, and I just felt so oppressed. I didn't even have any strength. I was just totally spent. And then he starts to sing about the freedom. Like he doesn't stay there. He says, then I, then I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And so he's just like, man, I remember Lord and he's just strumming and he's playing. Um, and like, just like, think of this. You hear this sermon all or this scripture all the time. Psalm 23. He's out there. He's, when did he write this? What was he doing? He's like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he's using all these shepherd references. Like he would anoint his sheep. I can see the dude, man, he's just rubbing oil on the sheep so the bugs won't drive the sheep crazy. And as he's rubbing it on there and he's just singing the 23rd Psalm, and he's thinking about how the Lord, man, takes care of him. He's thinking about it as he leads them beside the still waters. That was so important because the sheep, what they will do is they will drink from a muddy hole and they will pick up parasites and it's terrible for the sheep. Like it'll drive them crazy. And so the shepherd has to lead them around those muddy holes and get them to a clear water so they can drink from a, from a brook that is healthy for them. And he leads me beside that still water where I can get in there and, and get me a drink. And he, he supplies everything. He puts me up on the table of the, of the green meadow on the side of the hill so I have all that I need. And, and so he's just singing all of these things um, to the Lord. And we see that, 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 that it's a powerful experience for him. But I, I'm, I'm really reminded of, of, of Psalm chapter. 40, and if you like you too, um, they kind of have some spiritual roots. And one of the songs that they sing that's not real popular, probably they're not going to hear it on the radio, but it's called Psalm 40 or 40. I don't know what they call it, but it's based on Psalm 40. And they got it uh, put to, to music, and, and it's really cool. And, it, and, and basically, Psalms 40 and the song says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm picturing, 
um, I'm picturing David out there. And then he says, he lifted me up out, out of the pit, out of the miry clay. And so like, here he is, he's, he's, he's singing and he just stops for a minute and he starts to think about Samuel coming and anointing him. And he's out there on the side of the mountain and the sheep are doing their thing and, and he's paused in his play for a moment and, and I can picture him just, just possibly like thinking about when is it going to happen? And he just starts singing, how long, Lord? How long to sing this song? How long? How long to sing this song? How long? He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. How long? And he's just waiting. Like, how long is it going to take? He looks up in the distance, and a guy starts running his way. And he's like, still just strumming. How long? He's like, what is this dude up to? And the guy runs up, and he says, man, the king is calling for you. He wants you to bring your lyre. And seen to him. He's in all kind of a mess, man. They can't get him calmed down. He's paranoid. He's freaking out. He's having these like anxiety attacks. And man, they, they, they feel like he's being tormented by some sort of uh, evil. And they want you to come, David. And they want you to come because of, uh, of who you are and your reputation and how you can play that thing and the songs that you write. And so they, they send for David. And one minute he's in the field singing to the sheep. And next minute he's in the throne room singing to the king so he can find some relief in his torment. And the Lord is giving him a first-hand view of the kingdom up close. Like, get this, man. Saul sins for his replacement to come and minister to him. This is the guy that he's worried about. Like, he's paranoid about holding on to his kingdom, and he's in such a mess that he looks for someone to bring relief. And what is God doing behind it? Man, God is, he's sovereign and he's in control over it. And King David comes and he's playing music and he's watching how the kingdom is functioning. And he's getting all of this inside intelligence. And the Lord is like giving him a firsthand view of the kingdom. And nobody knows that he's going to be the king except him and his family. That's the only people that have been told. And Samuel. And so when we look at this, um, like, man, there's a, there's a lot to take away. But I'm going to give you just a few things real quickly, and, and they're encouraging to me. They're things that I see in this passage that I go, okay, what do we learn from this? What, what is important for us as believers? Like, what are our takeaways? Here's the first one. We should not fear, like, 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 like here in this moment, like the spirit departed Saul, and the, an evil spirit was sent to torment him. So, like, that can make us go, man... Could that happen to me? Well, here's the deal. We should not fear the Holy Spirit departing, but we should expect discipline for disobedience. Okay, so when we look at the word, the Spirit's presence, as I taught you um, in the last, I think it was last week, the Spirit's presence was an exception in the Old Testament. Like it was an exception for the spirit of God to fall on a person. And so when he departed Saul, it was normal. Sometimes the spirit of God would come over like we talked about, Samson. He came over Samson. The spirit of God came over him and he could accomplish like incredible acts. But it wasn't with him 24-7. And so like we, we see the Lord in the Old Testament, the spirit moving around. Okay? 
And so like that was in the exception. But in the New Testament, it is the norm. We learn in the New Testament that when we are saved, what does it mean to be saved? That I come to a place of belief and confession in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like it says, all who believe and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. And so when a person confesses Jesus as Lord and, and their selves as sinner and realizing there's, there's nothing I can do in order to make myself right with God but accept the sacrifice that he made on the cross of Calvary. And so when I do that, that's what we call getting saved or being born again. And when that happens, then the Spirit of God indwells us. This is what the day of Pentecost was all about in Acts chapter two. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit that Jesus said, go and wait for me, and he said, it's good for me to go away because when I go away, I'm gonna send the comforter, the parakleti. That's the Greek word for Holy Spirit there that he's talking about, and he will descend. And so he tells the apostles to go and wait for him. And they're waiting for him, and the Spirit of God descends in this moment and the power of God comes over them, and that is the day of Pentecost, which shifted everything. Now the Spirit of God lives in us. And so when the Spirit of God moves into us, then the Scripture teaches us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are marked with the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord looks at us, and we become children of God. And so he, it's not the same way. The Spirit of God is not functioning the same way in the New Testament as he did um, in the Old Testament. And so the, uh, we, are, we are sealed for the day of our redemption. And so we, like, as long as we have faith in Jesus and we have been born again, like the spirit's not departing, but I'm gonna tell you what he will do. He will wear you out. If you get into a, a place of disobedience, you will not find a place of peace and contentment in your life. If the Lord is asking you to do something and you are ignoring his voice, the spirit of God will push in on you because his role is to convict the world of sin. This is one of the things he does. He teaches us. He reminds us of the things that we learn. We know in Hebrews chapter 13 that the Lord disciplines his children. And I've had some of that discipline, and I'm thankful that the Lord does that because I have a healthy fear of the Lord, a respect of reverence of the Lord, that if I get out of step with what, how he wants me to walk in obedience, then I can expect that he is going to bring some chastisement into my life in order to correct me exactly like I will do with my own children whom I love. If you do not discipline your children, you do not love them. That's just a truth. If you let your kids do anything that they want and you never do bring them, like drop the hammer down on them and show that there's authority in their life, you don't care about your kids. Like that, that all that stuff of like, just love them, love them, love them. Love. If you love them, then have the courage to discipline them. You're not their buddy, you're their parent. And your job is to teach them what the Lord is like. And the Lord shows us that he will discipline us. He will enter in and, and he will discipline us for disobedience. And that is a healthy thing because men, like I don't want to be left to myself because I would wreck my life. It is this discipline of the Lord that has helped me to walk in all the freedom that the Lord wants me to experience. And so when, when we look at this and go, well, what does that mean? Well, for us, what it means because we are living in this age of, the, of grace covering our lives and we've received Christ, it means that we will be disciplined. And so there should be some concern about receiving the discipline of the Lord if I'm being disobedient. Here's the second thing, and this is where we get into the music part. Soul music is powerful. Like, it is powerful. Martin Luther, the leader of the Reformation, said that his great desire was that every believer would have two things in their hand. And this was before people had the word of God written in their common language where they could understand it, okay? And so his desire was that they would have the word 
because he recognized in his study of the word the freedom that came into his life. And he said, every believer needs to have the word. The second thing was a hymnal, music that was set to the truth of the word. And so music is powerful. It, we see it moving um, throughout the church all the way into the infancy of the church. They would sing, and it was a powerful thing. And it has the power to move and lift us. One of the, my favorite things about music is it should lift us up, man. It should lift us up. It shouldn't always make us, sometimes we do need to feel a little heavy, but, but for the most part, man, music ought to be able to come behind me and just lift me up and make me feel like I can do something that maybe I was doubting that I could not do. And so with music, there's an expectation that it, it lifts us up and it has the power to do that. But let me give you some uh, caution. Corrupt music can bind us. Like sometimes men, I'll get a call and somebody will be just uh, heartbroken. Their wife has left them or a girlfriend and they don't know what to do. And we're talking and man, they're just like, I'm all kind of messed up. And one of the first things I tell them is I would say, well, let me tell you what you don't do. Do not listen to country music. <laughs> like, don't do that, man. Like, it'll destroy you. Like, you just be so sad, you're never going to get out of it. Like, make sure you don't listen to that. You listen to some music that gives you some hope and belief that you're moving forward in this situation, okay? So that's very, very important is to understand. And, and there's music that can make, like some music, like young people, like, I, like some of the music that, that people listen to, it just make you angry. Just make you want to go get something and tear it up. Okay, and sometimes that can help you to get into a place where you got the courage to do something. I know uh, uh, my brother, like he, he's kind of a wakeboarder in that wakeboarding culture. Man, they just listen to some crazy music so they can do crazy flips, right? And so music has power to do that kind of stuff. All right, so we, we need to understand, like, what am I allowing to flow over my ears and what is the response that is happening as it finds its way into my heart? I know what you're thinking. He's not going to make it. I am too. I got six minutes to wrap this thing up, and I'm going to get it done. So soul music is powerful. Here's the, here's the third takeaway. This is so important, man. Soul music's power is derived from the Lord's presence in the musician. Like That's where it comes from. Soul music's power is not derived from skill and performance. It is the Lord and his presence. Skill and performance can enhance, but it can never replace the Lord's presence. And so that's something like I've had to wrestle through recently. Okay, so, so for, for us as a, as a church, let me, like I, I prayed about whether or not I should do this, and I feel the Lord telling me I should. Like as a church, we, we compromised here. And I got challenged by a couple of people. I said, man, I'm not sure if we should be doing this. And I said, well, let me look, man, because our intentions were good. Our intentions were to reach people for the Lord. Like, that's what we were trying to use it as an evangelistic tool. And so, like, I, like we, we did that. And as I started to look, man, and I started to get deeper into the word and deeper in the words, like, man, this is not right. Like, I could not. Like, if you get Jimmy Holbrook, you ask him a question, and it's about the word. One of the things you don't have to worry about is I'm going to yield to the word. And as I looked and I studied, I was like, yeah, we, we should not be doing this. And I, you know what's cool is um, in this passage of Scripture, one of the things that I did not come to is this right here, the writer of the Psalms. 
What was so special about the writer of the Psalms and how God was using him in this moment particularly is that the Lord was with him. And so like, I, like here's what I want to say to you is, is I literally, upon coming to that understanding of the scripture, repented before the Lord. Like I literally said, Lord, I'm sorry. And so publicly what I want you to hear is that I, I'm sorry to you. Like I, that was a failure on my part. And I have repented of it. And it has specifically to do with what does the word call us to do? And this is what it calls us to do. And so we see the power of the musician is always wrapped up in the Lord's presence in his life. And so it's important for us like to look at and go, all right, who are we going to use up here? Like who, like one of the first questions we want to ask about the guy who's going to be on the keyboard is, man, tell me about how you know the Lord. Now we can't, we're not expecting people to be perfect, not, not in no way, shape, or form, but we are expecting them to be listening to the Lord and, and pursuing him, posturing themselves uh, toward the Lord. And so as, as we, as we like, I'm, I'm so encouraged by what the Lord is doing right now, because this, this, this team, man, they're committed and they're praying through and like, like we're, we're praying and asking the Lord, bring us a drummer, man. Bring us a drummer like that is posturing toward you, that is, that is ready to, to, to help us out. And we just, we're having fun with that because here's what we know is that music is powerful. Soul music is powerful. Soul music's power is derived from the Lord's presence in the musician. And here's, here's why this is so important. When the Lord is with us, soul music drives away darkness. Come on, man, like when we, when we start singing to the Lord in his praises, he, like, like the, the darkness has to give way. When they, they look at David and then the guy said, man, David, Saul is like, man, I can't sleep. I can't eat. I'm about to go crazy. As a matter of fact, he does end up going crazy. Like he literally loses it. Saul does. But in this moment, like he's trying to figure it out. One of the guys says, man, you need somebody to play you some soul music that'll get you right to where you need to be. And they go find a guy and say, man, I know a guy. I know a guy. He looks good. He speaks good. He is a brave warrior. But number one, the Lord is with him. And when he would play, like Saul would be in a place of torment and he would say, bring that boy in to play the lyre, and sing. And he would start to sing, and the darkness would flee. Listen to what it says. Whenever the Spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul, and he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. And so, like, when we walk with the Lord, darkness must flee. I'm reminded of the scripture that says, when temptation comes, resist, resist the devil, and what must he do? Flee. And so he's no power over us. The enemy, the, the forces of wickedness have no power over us. And we look at this and we see that when the Lord is with us, we, soul music drives away darkness. So like when I preach, man, like when I preach, if you don't think that there's a presence of darkness in this place, you're wrong. Like there, there, there's, there's a, there's an enemy. Some men, sometimes I'll be trying to deliver the word and the Lord will be trying to like, he'll, he'll be rolling through me and something will happen. And I will start thinking a thought and I'll be like, where did that come from? And I'm trying to get control of it and still communicate the truth that I know the Lord is wanting um, to me to communicate is like, I, I'll think something about somebody gets up and they, they, they walk away. And I'm like, man, I just said something. They're never coming back to church again. 
And the person just needs to go to the bathroom, you know? And so, but that's what's going on in my mind. And like, that's like, it's a force, man. It's like, you know, what did I say? Did I say something wrong? And so all of this is coming. Uh, so like when, what, what is music designed to do, man? It's designed to get us into a place where we just push the darkness out and let the word of God speak. And so when we sing, we're not singing just because we like music and we're not just coming to go, well, man, that's pretty cool. And we're not looking for skill and performance. We are looking for the darkness to be pushed out away so that the Lord can do his work. And so here's the big idea. If God and grace do not rule us, sin and Satan will. Like, so we, gotta, we either got to walk in that and let, let Jesus and the Lord and his grace rule us, or we're going to walk away from it. That's what we see, man. We see Saul posturing himself away from the grace and the truth and the mercy of God and David posturing himself toward it. And so as we like land there, like I want you to just take the word here today and go, what's, what's the Lord trying to say to me right now? Like what is he saying to me in this moment in time about me? Is it that I need to like understand the power of the word in my life and start seeking to develop that rhythm? Is it that I need to yield to the Lord and confess that I'm a sinner and ask for him to forgive me of my sins and, and receive him as my personal savior? Like, is that what the Lord, like, is he inviting you into the kingdom? Um, is it that you have some disobedience in your life and you're like, man, that, that one part where you were talking about the Lord will, will discipline us, I don't, want to, I, don't want to, I don't want to be so obstinate that the Lord has to reach out and discipline me significantly. I want to yield and say, Lord, I'm sorry for this. I repent of it, um, and would you forgive me and help me with it? And that's what the power of repentance is. That, remember David was singing, man, I kept quiet and my bones wasted away, but then I confessed. I confessed and you, your guilt left me. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.